Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen, who will heretofore be known as Jen 2. Do you know why? Why? Because we will be talking about Star Wars. And I, (laughs) from heretofore, will be known as Sawtooth Wren. All right. After my favorite new Star Wars character. Are you ready? And we have a crack panel of Star Wars fans. We're going to be talking to Grand Moff Montgomery. We will be talking to TK413, an android of some kind. Mm -hmm. And we will be talking to K Tano. Are you ready? I am. All right, let's go. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Gen 2. Is the force with you? I hope so. <laughs> oh my God. I hope so too. Well, everybody, welcome to the Star Wars Spectacular episode. Spectacular, spectacular. Of the Soft Serve Podcast. I'm excited. We have... Like I said before, a panel of Star Wars fans and experts here with us. Yes, because we certainly are not. To talk about a wide range of Star Wars topics, but I think we're going to primarily focus on The Mandalorian Season 2. Yes. Right? And this podcast came about because a lot of people were posting online about The Mandalorian Season 2, and some folks said we should talk about this. Mm Mm-hmm. And so here we are, we're talking yep. about... Now, I must warn people, this podcast will be full of spoilers. Yes. So if you haven't seen The Mandalorian Season 2, if you haven't seen Any Star Wars... Yeah, Star Wars Episodes 7 through 9. If you've been living under a rock. If you haven't seen Episodes 1 through 6 even, mm-hmm. this isn't the podcast for you. Get lost, right? Yeah, that's right. And... If you haven't seen any of those things yet, I want to say one thing to you. I find your lack of faith (laughs) disturbing. Shame on you all. (laughs) All right. right. So, without further ado, let us start in reverse order and introduce Keitano. Hello, Keitano. Hello. Ah, there she goes. Yes. Thank you for joining us. I see sitting on your lap is a Grogu also known as Baby Yoda. So we'll say hello to this um, cute little character. Um, Grogu is now, he's wearing something. What is he wearing there? He's got his Christmas sweater on, and he's carrying his pet frog. Aww. Uh, Grogu gets the celebratory lightsabers. 
Okay. Now we're going to go to TK413. Hello, TK. Hello, Sawtooth Rat. Nice to join you guys. Thank you for joining us. And I see on your lap is some kind of um, infant creature as well. I've I've got my own uh, the child uh, joining us yes. as well. Well, um, that that child gets a celebratory lightsaber as well. Okay, and, and last but certainly not least, and you know I'm most scared. <laughs> this is Grand Moff Montgomery. Do you have, do you have like sinister? Um. <laughs> hello, Grand Moff uh, Montgomery. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll have to say, like, we prefer the Imperial March. I know. Right? Um, yeah, the the moths are definitely, it, we stand in opposition to to Vader and uh, the the Emperor. Um, and by the way, nice nice attempt to infiltrate, but you, you called a TK a Stormtrooper a droid, you know, I... <laughs> I, I just I'm questioning your your allegiance at this point. <laughs> well, the as as Sawtooth Ren, the dark side has clouded my mind. I've I clearly have gotten confused. Um, we clearly do not know yeah. as much about this and I'll, as you. And I'll confess, we were talking a little bit offline uh, before this. I am not a Star Wars expert. Um, yeah. So you all are, and we're we're gonna dig into some cool Star Wars topics. But I think the reason we wanted to primarily get together and chat was about this um, Mandalorian season two. Am I right, um, Gen two? So. I believe so. Yeah. So where do we want to start? I thought a good place to start was um, with the reveal of Baby Yoda's name, Grogu. What do we think of this? <laughs> Um, yeah, general applause to putting a name name to the name to the face and give giving him a real backstory uh, added to the the feeling that he's a child, but not. I mean, I think that added him to the storyline in a significant way. Yes, um, TK four one three. That's a good observation. Um, the reveal of his name came with a very detailed backstory given by. And help me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Ahsoka Tano, right? Perfect. Who was a Jedi who escaped during the Order 66 given by um, Senator Palpatine at the time, right? Do I have this correct? He was Chancellor Palpatine at the time and about to turn into the Emperor. He already had the power that he needed in order to make the Empire rise. Ahsoka had actually left the Jedi Council earlier on because she was set up for a murder. And the Jedi Council had her on trial, even though she was innocent. She was very jaded by the situation. So she bounced and they tried to pull her back after they proved her innocent. But she said, too bad, so sad. And she left. So Ahsoka is actually pretty much the epitome of what we know as a gray Jedi, which does not fall into the light or the dark side. Ooh. Hmm. Ooh. Now, now. Kendra just made me as happy of a uh, of a human as I can possibly be right now. <laughs> now, Grand Moff, Grand Moff Montgomery, where did we learn about these details around this character, Ahsoka Tano? Uh, Is this? It was in the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please go. No, uh, the penultimate episode. Uh, no, no, there was one. There was one before that uh, where we get where we get Bill Barr. 
Um, you know, there was the episode before that where we have Ahsoka introduced, it, uh, played by Rosario, Rosario Dawson, um, and setting up, you know, where she is. Um, she uh, meets up with uh, Mando, or uh, and they have a conversation about the child's history, and you know, the kind of she puts him on a secondary side quest um to to see if there's any jedi out there and he said he sends a forcogram um later later on i'd like to make sure we don't underestimate the forcogram <laughs> yeah. that was the most epic meditation any jedi has ever done uh, in still image or moving screen yeah that Grogu. Uh, that was amazing yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about that i think what i wanted to know uh, yeah. specifically about Ahsoka Tano, because she plays such a big role in uh, revealing Grogu's name and his backstory. Where do we learn about her in the Star Wars canon? Is because it, it does it doesn't happen in the Mandalorian show. It it, it obviously happens somewhere else. Do you all? So, can you shed some light on that for me? Absolutely. Um, Ahsoka comes from initially from the Clone Wars. Okay. And she becomes the Padawan of one Anakin Skywalker. We know how that turns out. So Clone Wars bridges the gap between episodes one, uh, sorry, episodes two and three, but actually now culminates with Order 66 and the final season of Clone Wars that just came out in February 2020 focuses on Ahsoka's perspective of that happening when she's already left the temple. Huh. And we're first introduced to her um, in the uh, Clone Wars movie, I believe. It was like the it, <laughs> I, that bridged the gap between the two D animation that was that was being released uh, by LucasArts, and then they they transitioned to the three D like Clone Warsy thing. It was with Baby Jabba the Hutt's kid, um, oh who was affectionately called Stinky. Um, <laughs> what? That sounds like Scrappy Doo. well um but really that that little that little movie kind of sets the stage for the clone wars animated series um which you know um has become known as like the the favreverse and the philoverse um uh, a series of seven seasons animated uh that really delves and expands the star wars mythos and in a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, I said it when those films, when the prequels were being re- uh, released, I'll say it again. I, we don't even need the prequels. We just need that show. Mm. Like, it's true. It's, it's, it's amazing. And all the credit for that goes to Dave Filoni, who is Filoni. actually the one who's going to be writing and directing the Soka's show, even though he's got some cohort helping him out. Um, when he put that together, not only did it redeem the prequels entirely, entirely, even Jar Jar, mm-hmm. even Jar Jar, <laughs> no. but it bridged the gap and it also actually gave you a backstory and character development for all of the Jedi that eventually do get taken down in Order 66. So I it's feel awesome like that you see all these characters you care about and the clones too. I feel like I'm going to have yeah. to watch this. I want to yeah. ask TK413, do we know what... And, and I'm sorry if you said this, Keitano, and I just forgot, but maybe TK413 can shed some light on this. Why was Ahsoka Tano being tried by the the, the Jedi? She was on trial, and 
he was set up and I'm going to need Keitano's backup on this one. Cause I, I remember it, but it was a while ago and, and another child ago. Uh, she was set up for a murder by the inquisitors. No, <laughs> no, I'm getting a head shake. Uh, I, she was set up for a murder that she didn't commit and the Jedi put her on trial. And that started her path to leaving the Jedi, which is something that hasn't quite been explained too much in, in the, the, the canon, which I think will be a lot of fun moving forward in explaining that there are Sith, there are Jedi, and there are Grey. They're really not even Jedi. They're all Force users and, and getting into that, that side of the lore, which we saw a little bit in the new movies with Luke kind of walking away a bit they, again it's not talked about and that's what clone wars and rebels and all these shows that were brought into the canon of star wars really were able to develop so they talk right? about they talk about this idea of a gray jedi who can tell me a little more about what that is a gray jedi well i think i think a gray jedi is actually more more in line with with the actual like beginnings of of the jedi order like it, it's force users who stand in balance between the light and the dark side of the force. Um, you know, we have like a rich, rich history since like the 1970s of all the extended universe, which now Disney has, has called, has decanonized and called like the legends right. series um, that really delves into like what the early order, the early Jedi order was. And it was, you know, groups of, of force sensitive individuals who first took up residence on like the inner core world of Tython and developed this order that, that centered around utilization of all aspects of the force and balance. And then they went through multiple great schisms as the order fractured and developed and really polarized it's it's fascinating to me like you have this idea that was introduced in the in the original lucas trilogy the episodes like four through four through six where you know the idea was that there would be this person who comes and brings the the force back into balance and so mm. ahsoka tano as a gray jedi it, like i think she's a more <laughs> pure version of 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 what the Jedi order began as they don't yeah. stand in the light or in the dark, but they stand in the middle ground where most of us live our lives. <laughs> um, Keitano, you were, you were pointing at, um, gesturing wildly, gesturing wildly <laughs> at baby Grogu on your lap. What, what say you, um, about what grand Moff Montgomery is telling us? Well, I was getting very emphatic about the child because Grogu is the chosen one. Hmm. There's no doubt about that. And Grogu and Anakin Skywalker, who was formerly believed to be the chosen one, were both born in the same year. Possible hmm. cross prophecies, possible dyad in the Force that has yet to be explored and then was fractured by Anakin's death as Darth Vader. Oh, that's really um, interesting. The other piece. Do we of that just was, become best friends? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I want to actually seize on that. Like one of the things we learned is that Grogu was in the Jedi Temple when Anakin made his final turn to the dark side, and he walked into the temple to, um, 
kill yeah to kill all of the jedis yeah yeah, including a bunch of the padawans um and we learned grogu was there and was um shepherded out of the temple i thought that was a really interesting backstory did they expose that he's better yeah the fact that he's been around for like all all of the star wars canon period at this point uh, is I think was significant and, and does line him up to be something more. I, I don't think he's walking away you know, at the end of the, this season and not not coming back somewhere in this. Yeah, that blew that blew my mind that he was there and somebody saved him. Now, do we have any indication at all who might have um, squirreled him out of there? Obviously, it had to be somebody who survived. Um, not necessarily. They might have been taken down if they took him ahead of time. Well, and he got, and he was captured. He was, you know, he was at the end of the day, he was in empire hands. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At the beginning of all this. And then at some point got away and then was back and got away. So we don't know there there's conspiracy theories are abound of the wave. Yeah. R2D2 gives that, that they, the little connection that they show at the end that, Right. R2 ends up being the um, penultimate good guy in all of Star Wars, and that he's everywhere and everything. Yeah. Um, Grand Moff, what say I, you? Um, well, I think that, you know, they made the announcement that we're going to see more Samuel L. Jackson reply, reprising his role as Mace Windu, um, like the season three, season four of The Mandalorian, that we'll see a return of Mace, that Mace is supposed to get his own show. Um, you know, we see the end of Mace Windu thrown out the window right. um, after his, you know, interaction with Darth Sidious. I, I personally, you know, and I, and I say this um, knowing full well that I have ruined three Star Wars movies for the people I love um, with my, my hypotheses, my <laughs> hypotheses. Bring it. Um, I, yeah, I, I personally think that Mace survived um, his fall. He was injured really badly. Um, he and I believe the library, the Jedi librarian, whose name is is, is escaping me. Josenta. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> they had been hiding Grogu or had been keeping him secret at the temple. And then Mace returns mm. to the temple with the help of Josenta and R2-D2. They spirit him away and they go into hiding. Because we have this beautiful like conversation where where um, you know Ahsoka says like he had hidden himself away from the Force, he had like pulled himself away, Grogu, um, to hide himself as he was being pursued by the Empire, and I think he learned that from Mace, who also shut himself off from the Force, and Mace ends up teaching that to Luke, who in the sequel trilogy then uses that same ability to hide himself. And so at some point we're going to see, I think Mace return and, and spirit away Grogu once again, like, and that, that's my, that's my theory. Um, you know, he's got to get these motherfucking Grogu's off this motherfucking plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to correct myself. It's Jocasta. Jocasta, the Jedi temple librarian. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. To Do we me. see this person in the movie? Do we see Clone, Clone Wars? In Clone Wars. Uh, we see her, we we see her more. I believe she's in more, Rebels. Yeah, she's there's, in a Rebels. Lot of, there's a lot of 
I mean, I might be wrong. Yeah, I might be totally wrong. Yeah. I might be Rebels. I confuse the two it a lot. Sometimes she's yeah, she's in she's in Clone Wars when there's the the Coruscant like um, noir episode where like they're searching where Ahsoka has been tasked to her. She's taken away from Anakin briefly, tasked to her, and they go on like this like city adventure. And then we see her again in Clone Wars, the movies, very briefly, like defending her library in probably the most librarian weird fashion where she's like, where, you know, Obi-Wan's like, well, I don't see it in the, in the, the records. And she's like, bitch, if it's not in my library, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's it. No. <laughs> Uh, so we so we so we've learned a lot about grogu's backstory we got a lot of grogu action in mandalorian season two including this um what what did you all call it the force um communicator epic meditation ever yes that's what that's what it needs to be referred to (laughs) now meditation master was he was this a Jedi temple that Grogu was at? Where was it, he? He was at the ruins at Tython. So he's seated on their centering stone, which is allowed, or is supposed to amplify your connection to the Force. But I will tell you, I've seen other Jedi sit on such stones and never before have they gone into the Avatar state doing so. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then... Obviously, the Empire gets its hands on Grogu in this season, and they took his blood. What do we think they're going to be doing with yeah, Grogu's blood? What do they need his blood for? They're, the theory is that the Dark Troopers, the 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 uh, droid troopers that we encounter and Luke quickly dispatches, are force sensitive in a way because mm. they they reference that these aren't the first dark troopers they tried trooper like actual people in armor and they were trying to make force combat troopers and the the theory is that they're using grogu's blood to inject midichlorians into into these droids at this point to make them able to combat jedi well, Which work. is, I think, such a beautiful shout out to. I don't, I don't know who else read the the Dark Horse. Well, it was Dark Horse, and then when Marvel got the rights, the the Star Wars Legacy steer, series that was set in the future of the original Star Wars universe, where we see a um, Caden Skywalker, and they introduce the idea of the Sith troopers, the Force sensitive uh, clone uh, clone troopers. So I think I, to me, that was a, like, I had a, I had a nerd moment because it's one of my, my favorite kind of non-canon series anymore is this future telling of what the, the, the universe would turn into. And you have like a Jedi who's also a junkie and like the Yusung Bong are, are still like around and integrated into the universe. And it's just like, I, I got super excited when I saw the, the, the stormtrooper helmet with the red eyes. Uh, like I, I wanted to call my son, who's a big stormtrooper fan, and be like, "See, see, this is where they're going." So those but, those dark troopers that we see that you're talking about, they that kidnap um, Grogu and take take him up to Grand Moff Gideon's ship. Um, 
those are just robots, right? They're not people inside. No, they're they are. They're like Decepticons. Okay. Now, Keitano, I wanted to ask you, is there a possibility and has anybody theorized that they're using Grogu's blood in some way to resurrect the Emperor or because Absolutely. Okay, because we see several shots in the Mandalorian season two of what I believe is like the Snoke clone body or like th- those those bodies that we see in episode nine in the Emperor's Chambers. Can you talk a little bit about those theories? Yeah, there are some massive tie-ins that go along with that as well. Dr. Pershing and everybody that was working for him or with him that we saw in the first season all have the Kaminoan symbol on their sleeves or on their hats. And Kamino is where the clones were originally made. So we're talking about geneticists and labs. And now they are looking for the force-empowering components of Grogu's blood in order to transfer them into other beings. And they're testing them on living beings. So I'm going to debunk the dark trooper theory because you don't (laughs) test on humans to maybe put living symbiotic, less than unicellular creatures into blood. You wouldn't. You wouldn't put them into something living to then put them into non-living. You would just test immediately on the robots. Um, they said that those were their failed experiments that were sure, in the sure. tubes at the lab on Navarro that I still don't know how Grief Carga didn't know that was there. Mm. Like him and Cara Dune, that was a pretty major fail on them to not realize and to think that that was just the base that they were going to go blow up so that the Empire didn't come back forgetting that there could be something going on there. There's been a lot of that in this second season where they're like, oh yeah, that's an old empire something. No, it's still very highly active. Um, but definitely Snoke-ish creatures. Um, some people have said that Snoke was the failed experiment on the way to reaching Palpatine. I also don't know if as other Jedi might answer the most epic meditation of all time, because there's no way that that only reached Luke. Right. Um, no way that definitely reached Ezra he's out there somewhere I don't know if he'll overlap Ezra Bridger is another (laughs) Jedi from Rebels um he is disappeared right now and he's with Grand Admiral Thrawn last we saw him and Ahsoka is on a mission trying to find Thrawn Thrawn is the ultimate bad guy ever like Gideon is the one of the biggest creeps I've ever seen in my life especially when he torments Grogu with the stormtroopers because he knows Grogu could defeat him otherwise but Thrawn is even creepier than Gideon. So yeah. what is what is this Jedi Ezra who we haven't seen in any live action form yet? What what is what are they doing with um, Grand Admiral Thrawn? Do we know? Are they when pres- Ezra saved his home planet, he yeah. had to like bolt out with Thrawn to get Thrawn out of there so that they could liberate his planet of Lothal. Okay. We into space. Uh, it, yeah, like out 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 a window. <laughs> okay. All right, we're gonna and, we're and gonna Thrawn. Oh, go ahead, uh, sorry, Grand. I was no, just gonna say, go ahead. Uh, Thrawn, Thrawn was introduced in like the Thrawn trilogy, which was an extended universe um, series of books that were set um, about five years after the Battle of Endor. He's um, blue, Thrawn, right? Yeah, Thrawn <laughs> was a Grand Admiral who went AWOL um, into the kind of outer rim area during the, the final, you know, rebellion empire battles. 
And in the books, Grand Admiral Thrawn isn't like, yeah, he is an evil douchebag, but he really believed in, in the Empire. And they say, like, in the books, he's out in the Outer Rim and he comes in contact with the Yusung Fong, who are a extra galaxy. They're, they're from, a, they're a nomadic group of aliens from another galaxy who are bent on conquest and conquering. He sees them coming and returns to the inner rim in an attempt to revive the empire in order to to stand up to this coming invasion which i think we'll see in the in the form of the grisk hegemony as a new force coming into the to destabilize the the entirety of the star wars universe so i love it because he is evil he is hell-bent on being a dictator but like like we see in like the MCU, his motives aren't aren't black and white. He really sees this this extra galactic threat coming and is trying to do something. But what he chooses to do, like like we saw with, with Thanos in the MCU, it, it is is completely the wrong thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> the wrong thing to go about it. So So we'll almost now do you think will we see this Grand Admiral Thrawn? pop up in a future Mandalorian season or will do you think we'll get him in a different show? There's like ten Well years you know the fun thing they've they've mentioned Thrawn in Mandalorian and then the, the fun thing talking MCU, talking Marvel, is looking at what Disney is doing with the various splinter shows coming out of this with Ahsoka and um Both the bad. trooper um the New Republic trooper one there's like, of know, the republic there you go yeah, yeah there's like six different shows coming out of this and yeah. and people have likened it to the mcu and bringing five different shows into the avengers into a, a multi multi show mm-hmm. a multi-movier show bringing them all together where you can bring back grogu bring in a new big bad you know, bring bring together all these these stories that we get that seem to be starting in Mando and splintering off into their own series and feasibly coming back into a, a you know, a, a, a team battle. So you, I, I mean, that's what I'm excited for is seeing them put it all together. Do you think like they have it all mapped out already? They must. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. That's how oh, yeah. Filoni works. And that's how Favreau has agreed to work. Okay. There, there is there's no a other consp- way with Filoni. Okay. There's a conspiracy <laughs> theory already putting a character that's on the bridge of Moff Gideon's ship, the communications officer, like who comes up and she says a couple of couple of lines and she's you're really focusing the camera on her. They're really pointing her out. And it's not just an off offshoot character. They're loop, looping her into Ezra to be his friend. Sabian Wren, who is a Mandalorian mm-hmm. and is uh, they're, they're like the theory is they're setting her up that she infiltrated the empire to find Ezra. And I mean, so far as people looking at the actress and that she has martial art training and mm-hmm. Sabian Wren is a Mandalorian and, and ready to go you know, in a fight. So, you know, they've got it mapped out. And I think, I think, we'll see stuff going forward. They're like, Oh, missed that. You know, cool. That was, you know, that was a setup piece. I wanted to jump back a little bit uh, and we'll talk more about um, Grogu and what happens with Luke at the, at the season finale of the Mandalorian. 
um, for, for season two. But I wanted to ask about um, Ahsoka Tano. I think a lot of people were really excited to see her represented in live action. What did we all think um, about uh, the choice of Rosario Dawson and how she did? I think that she was cast perfectly. They could not have done any better. She clearly did her homework and learned her character inside and out before becoming her. Yeah. It was seamless for me, and I did not even miss Ashley Eckstein's voice. And that was the... 100% agree. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic. And And again, I'm somebody who hasn't seen any of the clone wars stuff either the um series or the the movie that um Keitano keeps giving a thumbs down to whenever we talk about it <laughs> skip, skip the movie watch the series yeah. only seven seasons don't um, even bother yeah. with the movie okay so we 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 liked her live action representation and we're looking forward to seeing more of her i think because mm-hmm. she's going to have her own series mm-hmm. And I'm hoping they do some of this backstory stuff that you all were talking about. That sounds really interesting to me. I hear that it's actually going to run concurrent with The Mandalorian. So I think it's going to focus more on her looking for Thrawn. And although she's probably looking for Thrawn for multiple reasons, Ezra last being seen with him, she's also trying to find Ezra, another surviving Jedi. I think we're going to see we're going to see her show start probably around the time period that the, the Mandalorian started in season one, like, because we picked up when she walked in, she, she wasn't there for Grogu. She was there yeah. on her own business. Yeah. Like yeah. she, yeah. It, like, I, I think, I think you're right. Kitano. I think she's gonna, we're going to see this kind of congruent storytelling. That's going to fill in some of the blanks on what's happening in the other parts of the galaxy. Additionally, I hear rumors that she is going to be crossing over into Obi-Wan's miniseries. Ooh. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's that's a great option because that, that was a big breakup there with with Anakin and, and her. And I think it's, a, it's an amazing loop around of the story to bring her back in Obi-Wan. But also, now we have Luke. You could, Ahsoka yeah. and Luke could meet. feasibly in this and you know and and converse about you know uh, one of the ultimate star wars characters yeah that that, that's really interesting to me given what we know about luke's trajectory right if ahsoka is this gray jedi right and we know right right now as we see luke in the mandalorian season two he's like you know he's all jedi order type of jedi right but we know where he ends up and i think it will be really interesting to see him interact with Ahsoka knowing that, I think. I don't know. That's interesting to me anyways. An additional layer to that, though, is that Ahsoka was his father's Padawan. Yes, right. He essentially kind of killed his dad. His dad kind of sacrificed himself at the same time, but that turned him around at his point of death and salvaged him. Wow. So this for is int- Ahsoka to actually be able to connect with the child, and she knew Padme as well, and she trained under Anakin while he was training under Obi-Wan. So to bring all of these characters back together, Ahsoka's about 45 years old in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, Luke is only about 28. 
So she was a teenager when she was Anakin's Padawan and all of that obviously fizzled out. And she didn't actually get to see that he had turned into Vader. She later runs into him as Vader and battles against him. I won't tell you the spoilers that go along with that because it's not what you would think based on what you know of the now. Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. But And I think it would add a beautiful layer to, to Luke's decision in, in the sequel trilogy you know, because the way the way things stand, Luke has one bad run in with with Ben Solo and gives up on everything and walks away yeah. and like completely says the Jedi's done. It's it's not a good path. It's you know, it's a flawed concept and a flawed doctrine. And he and he walks away from it and introducing Ahsoka who says like there are other options the Jedi order failed me like it failed your father it failed the the galaxy like why are you why are you subscribing to this like would be a beautiful like rationalization that gets us to 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 hobo Luke sitting on an island drinking like (laughs) sea milk like (laughs) yeah that's interesting um and we'll talk a little bit more about Luke um, in the Mandalorian, but I want—we can't leave Boba Fett in Mandalorian <laughs> season two unaddressed, right? Um, how excited were we that we saw Boba Fett come back? Right, he escaped the Sarlacc pit. We now know that. Did we know that already? Yeah. Oh, we oh. did. <laughs> okay. How did we know that? We knew that he had climbed out. It's been the extended universe rumor for decades now, but we never really knew like where he went after that, what he was up to. And he became a mystery, even though we knew he was lingering out there somewhere. Oh, okay. He became a mystery. And he, he's like, uh, I feel like Boba Fett, I, if, you, if you can't tell from the, the pictures, not that the listeners can see, I, I love stormtroopers and stormtroopers and Boba Fett in the original trilogy and stormtroopers continuing on are like the oddities of characters that they are considered so cool and badass, but they're really like Boba Fett, even in the original trilogy is kind of a a joke. He he flounders, he he flounders all over the place. So, but we still treated him as this awesome bounty hunter for so long. And, and they're really taking that and, and redeveloping him in, into something in, into really what he is and redeveloping that storyline of who he actually is being yeah. Django's son and being, well, Django's son slash clone, whatever, however you want to look at him. I, it took me a second in one of this, the, the, the scenes, um, with Bo-Katan and and I'm blanking on the other the other Mando's name. Tosca, uh, I think. Talking about saying, I know that voice and and jumping into it. At first I was like, wait, what? Oh, never mind. Yeah, there's still clones and like it's not it wasn't that long ago that, that clone troopers were around. So I yeah, think the that- development of the character is cool. Um, I was nervous when not nervous, but you know, just hesitant when they were bringing him back because just such an interesting character to, to revive. Yeah. Grand Moff. Uh, and he's, he's, he's fascinating. I mean, he really is because like in the original Lucas trilogy, we get eight minutes of Boba Fett and it sparks 30, 40 years of fascination with this character, like with who he is, where he comes from, 
Like, is he a Mandalorian? Like one of the greatest moments for me of like the Mandalorian series is when um, they're like, they say to Boba Fett, like, you're not a Mandalorian. And he's like, I never said I was. Yeah. And it's like, yes, he's, he's never said it. I think in like the animated, like a brief animated like section in the, like Star Wars holidays spectacular special that if you've never seen it, it it's 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 worth an evening of like just complete and utter nonsense because <laughs> it's it's so wonderfully bad. But like where where he sets the record straight, and you know we're we're introduced to the idea that Jango Fett was a foundling but never truly subscribed his like son in Boba to like the Mandalorian creeds and the doesn't enter him into like the Mandalorian clan system and, and to have him come back and to have him like really be the badass that we see him. Cause when we see him in the clone wars, we meet him as a child. And then in the clone Wars series, we see him grow into this legendary bounty hunter with many like falls and steps and stumbles and then to see him return and like reclaim his father's armor is, is like, for me, it's beautiful. Like it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful, like nod. And like the idea that all the clones are based on Django are, are based on Django Fett and based then on Boba Fett. Like it, it just, it, to me, it was a wonderful moment. Like to see him come back. Do we, th- I- we- go ahead. Um, Keitano, please. I think it's going to be particularly interesting bringing up Boba as a child, watching Mace Windu slay his father Um, in the Clone Wars. He is only in the Clone Wars trying to hunt down and kill Mace Windu. If Mace Windu happens to resurface during Mandalorian timeline, you can bet that something's going to bring him to Tatooine and him and Boba are going to come face to face again. Mm. Now we were, oh, t- we were. I love to see that fight. <laughs> yeah that that would that would definitely be interesting. I I would like to see that. Now, do we think Boba Fett? We were talking about this online, Keitano. Um, is Boba Fett good? Is Boba Fett evil? Is where where do we where do we put him? Um, I can't say he's good. I think yeah. that he's evil for hire. Yeah. He's, he's like chaotic neutral. He's, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, he's, he's for pay, but I mean, I, you know, before the last episode, I would have said he's, he's more chaotic neutral. He's just, you pay him to do what you need him to do. But the taking the throne at the end there of the huts that, that steps him right into, well, if he's going to run the enterprises uh, the way the huts did, then he's, He's just evil I with a code. That's He's more survival tactic and like taking over the place you came from. He needed that armor to go back and complete his own mission there. Hmm. It and was I, a full circle. Yeah. And I think what, what, what's been done so beautifully over the, like over the course of the Clone Wars series and all these kind of interlocking shows like rogue or interlocking films like rogue one is you see like the gray areas that so many people have to function in it's not like the george lucas series where it's like there's good there's evil there's you know the light side of the force and then there's a dark cave that you wander into and kill your dad there's like every most people live in this weird kind of place where they do things that 
that their motivations aren't aren't a hundred percent of any anything like and i think boba fett represents like the darker side of that that gray world that we live in like you know when he after mace windu unceremoniously like decapitated his dad he was a kid out in the universe just trying to figure out yeah how does he survive what does he do and like you know it's it's kind of awe-inspiring to to watch like that story go and develop and and then we have him sitting at the at his stinger after credit stinger taking the 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 throne of 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 the huts and tatooine it's you know i i'm getting goosebumps just talking about it yeah and i really liked seeing his ship in action in mandalorian season two we got a a lot of really cool shots of his i don't know if it has a name in star wars canon slave one slave one yeah i love seeing that thing like flying around and fighting and i thought that was really cool i loved and appreciated the scene where they were sitting in slave one and you saw the the frame moving yeah. as they were taking off. I'm like, just the mechanicals of okay, so that's what it does. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, when he's waiting uh, on the the heist uh, the heist episode, second to last episode, when he's waiting and he's sitting in in his seat, laying laying on his back, ready to take off. I'm like, you know, it's it was just the most impractical ship that it, <laughs> yeah. But it was so cool to see it in action. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, though, for as badass as he is, where did he disappear to while they were completing this storyline? Leaving Grogu. It went girl gang completely. Like <laughs> Mando snuck off, got into his little fight, but the scene of the four women entering the bridge. Like just masterpiece of of showing awesome character development. Like, and it was the the the. There's a lot of talk of the Magnificent Seven mm-hmm. parallels yep. of of that group getting together and everything and getting together for this big grand grand entrance. And it was just really cool scenes. But yeah, you're like, where's Boba? Yeah, and can we just give a shout out? I love seeing Katie Sackoff back in a like um, sci fi show. She was one of my favorite parts of the Battlestar Galactica Galactica reboot, and I loved seeing her. I didn't know anything about that character, and again, I'm going to ask you all to correct me. It was is it Bo Katan that she played? Yes, Um, although she pronounces her name in the the episode where they're in Sea World, she says it's Bo Katan. Oh, but <laughs> Although it was Bo-Katan in Clone Wars, okay. and I don't know if you're aware, Sawtooth Ren, that she is the voice of Bo-Katan in no Clone kidding. Wars. No kidding. Oh, really? Rebels. I had so no idea. Really see that she was brought in for that purpose. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it helps that she's an awesome actress, and she has a lot of experience kind of in the in sci-fi she shows. she also has been playing that character for 12 years already. Wow. I had no. no idea. We really have to watch all these. Yeah. We really do. Um, was that? Uh, did you want to jump in, uh, TK? No, I was just going to say uh, you need you need to watch all the, the yeah the, the Clone yeah. Wars. Well, now that yeah. we have I, access I, to it all, yeah. And this, I'm con- chomping at the bit for for my uh, my elder child to be a little older and and to be able to <laughs> embrace it and and get to sit and rewatch it. Yeah, and this conversation is definitely getting me excited to dive into that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this dark saber thing that appeared. This sword that looks kind of like a lightsaber. Now, is this part of 
Star Wars canon? Is this something we saw before? Yes. Um, it has a really long history, starting with Tar Vizsla, who was a Mandalorian Jedi. And he crafted the Darksaber. Does it have a kyber crystal inside of it? Yep. Is- yep. Okay. So it works like a lightsaber? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a lightsaber, and it just har- it harkens back to the... Uh, to um, to Kylo Ren's lightsaber, and you know, getting out of the mold of a, a of a clean, well focused lightsaber. Kylo though is a cracked crystal. The dark mm-hmm. saber is fully intentionally made. Is it a black yeah. crystal of some kind? Like, is it a special kind of crystal? Because all of the other light weapons I've seen have a a color to them based on the the crystal inside, right? The crystals usually actually are colored by the energy of the user. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. 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 When they construct their when they construct their lightsaber for the first time, they imbue it with with part of their uh, essentially part of themselves, like, and it becomes a symbiotic tool between themselves, the crystal, and the the midichlorians in their blood. And it's like for me, it's the dark, the introduction of the dark saber in the in the Clone Wars series, and how they touched on like the Jedi Mandalorian Wars and the history of like that conflict, and that you know there there was one Mandalorian who essentially like merged and created this hybrid kind of status and ended that entire conflict. Like it's again, it's one of those things where it's like these guys get it like they they understand like that that star wars is as much a like community creation as it is a creator creation like we all helped create star wars and the things that like we engaged with from the time that the the lucas trilogy ended to the time that like the the prequel trilogy came out and like we all invested in the mythos and and you know read read the books read the comics like and helped to kind of like foster this this myth that that has like thousands upon thousands of years of history and to see like the introduction of the dark saber and then to see it like carried through into the mandalorian and given this prominent role and like is to me like it's so exciting as a fan like yeah. it's so exciting like to see like this time that like when all the other kids were out like having social lives and you know doing <laughs> things and i was in my room like with a flashlight reading you know the star wars books like that hey i didn't waste my time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all paying off now yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting too with the dark saber that season 1 stood on its own a lot in mm-hmm. mandalorian it, it didn't tie back to the story as much, except for the fact that we knew it was in that world. But the ending scene of season one of, of him lighting off the Darksaber really says, okay, we're entering the time stream that fans understand and know. Yeah, and I, Wars. and I feel like season one of The Mandalorian especially when they introduced um, Baby Yoda. We didn't know Grogu's name at that point. There was a little skepticism around, like, where is this going? Is this going to be what we want? Like, people were taken with Baby Yoda, but, like, I feel like in season two, like, they doubled down on saying, like, we felt like... um, 
um, uh, Grand Moff Montgomery, you were saying like they doubled down on saying we're going to start like paying off like real, like to the real fans, like the people who are dug in deep on the canon. Like, and I, and I, and there's so much just like even watching people like you all talk about this stuff online in these chat forums i'm learning so much and realizing how deep and multi-layered season two is and but the crazy thing i think is that without having all this deep canon knowledge it's still enjoyable yeah (laughs) it's still paid off emotionally at the end of the season two finale for 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 us and i don't we didn't know any of this stuff I am a believer that the, both seasons can stand on their own and attract people who have had no interest in Star Wars. They didn't know that they could love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And now that there's so much tie-in, and there was a lot of it, like, it it sweat through the first season, but it's just oozing and flooding at this point in every direction and every single one of those connections that has been made throughout is going to make people more curious so i hate to say that in the end it's like the disney cash cow brilliance but they've got the lifers and they're going to keep pulling in all of the new people with everything that they're at that that speaks a lot to it i think that season one was the test bed of can we revive this can we reboot this in a different way, because Clone Wars and Rebels and everything has been very popular with with you know fans and kids, but it didn't draw. It's not going to draw an adult watcher in unless they have a desire to be a fan. Yeah, I'll you know anecdotally, my father, who you know was a teenager when they when the movies came out and everything, mm-hmm. had never watched Star Wars. Yeah. Still to this day, has Wait, never what? watched the movies. <laughs> He loves Mandalorian. I think this will be him to get get into it. And I think it, it, because it, it went back to that wonderful formula that Lucas hit on in the first trilogy of, you know, giving like genre nods to like the Western, the spaghetti Westerns, the samurai films, you know, as a, as a longtime lone wolf and cub fan, when we see the child in the first episode, put a finger up, and Mando put a finger down. I, I like literally had told my partner, I was like, if if I just get one season of Mando and Cub, I am sold for the rest of my life. Like yeah. it was just this beautiful like entry into what really made Star Wars so magical and mm-hmm. so amazing to 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 like take part in. And like, I feel blessed that like I'm old enough now in my life to have experienced like that full breadth of mm-hmm. like amazing storytelling. Yeah. And like, yeah. And they shot a bunch of Jawas. They just like <laughs> just brutally murdered a bunch of Jawas. And who hasn't wanted to see yeah, that? Yeah, they deserve like, it. <laughs> I think some of no, the. I- <laughs> oh, uh, Keitano did not like that. <laughs> I no. mean, you want. Some people are saying Boba Fett's not evil. Like, the Jawas just steal stuff. That's yeah. true. I used to think Boba was evil because I think that killing people for money is evil. I think that killing people at all is evil and taking lives. But. Then I saw Gideon, and I was like, oh, Boba's not so bad. Can I ask you all a question? Are Jawas living creatures, or are they flesh and blood? uh, I mean, are they robots? Both! (laughs) They are are one of the two indigenous um, beings to Tatooine. And I I joke about Jawas being slaughtered, 
but I, there is a wonderful picture of me about six years old where my mom had made me a full on Jawa costume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm from, I'm from the middle of the desert in California, like deep desert, Imperial Valley, California. I have for my entire life said that I feel a huge kinship to the Jawas. They're small, they're brown, they're from the <laughs> desert and they will steal, they will steal stuff if it's out there. And like, that's, that's my family Yeah, <laughs> riding around in a giant trailer through the dunes, just grabbing what's not nailed down. Yeah. Come on, that's my people. All right. I, I just, go, I go just ahead. wanted to say really quickly about the Mandalorian, like even season one, like some of the things I think that really like, get to the audience is like the creatures that you know that they introduce right they're super fun then they have all like the the stupid commentary from the stormtroopers like it's like they just captured the spirit so well of the original trilogy like what made that so special um i I don't know uh sawtooth run just ran to the bathroom but um he and i talked about this extensively at some point about why um and then the music so so good too they really like shot it out of the park with that music oh Oh, yeah when the when the new um when the album came out on spotify this was like like two days ago i was so excited (laughs) just for the one one song the dark trooper theme that was playing oh the music was so good yeah is it the whole season then that was released at once? Because last year they released one episode at a time and you could listen to it weekly. Oh, really? And this year I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. So I was wondering what was going on with that. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I love, like, we just, it like sends like shivers like right up your spine when you hear that, that reed instrument, which we looked up. It's a bass recorder. Yeah. Yes, I will actually send you a video of people like reenacting it on a baritone, a soprano, and an alto recorder. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Can we talk a little bit about the end of the final uh, season two Mandalorian when Luke Skywalker shows up? Mm-hmm. That you whole burst into tears. That whole sequence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was. I was. I was bawling, like literally, like <laughs> tears streaming down my face. And. I had no doubt the second I saw that X-Wing, right, that it was Luke. Did, what did you all think? No brainer at that point. Yeah. I, see, I thought they were playing us a little bit. I thought they wanted to play play the maybe the casual observer where they kept looking at the, the CCTV cameras. And I, I'm a technology person in, in real life. And the technology of Star Wars is such a beautiful weirdness with how backwards it is and how forwards it is, but looking at the, the security camera and it's black and white. And I just love that. Like really, but the fact that the fights that it starts and it's all in black and white, I feel like it was a little bit of a play there just to, just because Ahsoka's got the white lightsabers, but I mean, it was pretty, pretty quick that you're you're out of that onto luke yeah the second i saw the black robe i was like oh no yeah like well you were talking about it before you were like you suspected that it could be luke you kept saying that like i thought it had to be i I, like i thought the i thought again i don't know i didn't know about some of these other jedi like ezra and such like but i was in my mind kind of as a surface level fan i was like 
Luke like has to be the only one powerful enough to receive that like and do something no, about it. No, it was the most epic meditation ever. <laughs> She's not going to let us forget this. Yeah. So I'm letting you know though every yeah. Jedi heard it. Yeah. Luke responded, he's not the only recipient of that message. There's yeah. never been anything like that before. And I loved the echoes to um, Anakin and Vader and the way that Luke was fighting and going down the hallway. It reminded me a lot of the Rogue One mm-hmm. um, yeah. scene where Vader is taking out all of those people. Like, just, I mean... Luke was vicious. I know they were only dark troopers, right? But like robots. robots. Yeah, but he was vicious. Like when he force chokes that one, like he's just holding it up and he's just like squeezing the life out of it. Like that's a Vader move. Mm. Which which that's an interesting thing is like force choke is a dark side maneuver. It's it's strictly supposed to be used by, you know, the the Sith. So it's it's a definite um cross of where you know where is he where is he in that alignment where is he thinking is is he still kind of broken from having to, to kill his own father and everything yeah well he might uh, also be thinking these are just robots and i'm saving the real people on the other side right yeah exactly yeah um, the little green hand directing him on the screen <laughs> talking about scenes that that rogue one scene at the end crossing over into the opening of the original movie was one of my favorite star Wars scenes yet of just the, the door opening and and seeing Vader, you know, really tying that movie in timeline perfectly wise. And, you know, one of my uh, disappointments with the new, the latest trilogy was there was a lot of parallel scene. There was a lot of callback scene where like the, the layout of the whole scene is like exactly, you know, calling back to the original trilogies, which I was like, eh, come on, let's, we don't need to call back constantly, but that, that form and style callback, I, yeah, it felt really cool to, to watch. Yeah. Grand Moff. Yeah, and it was, it was really the first time too, that like in a Canon moment, we get to see how powerful Luke Skywalker actually is. Yeah. And in a moment where it's on screen in live action, we get to see like Luke, isn't just some whiny kid from Tatooine. He is a full on Jedi master and he dispatches these, the, these dark troopers who up until that point had been, you know, one of them, was a challenge for for Mando to, to to defeat and Luke just cuts through them like yeah. almost casually like it's yeah yeah and it's so it's so beautiful because it's like that is the Luke that I have been waiting for my whole life I think we all that have is the Luke right Skywalker yeah I wanted to see yeah. Not only is that yeah. the Luke we've been waiting for, but at this moment in time he's got his sister who he knows is force sensitive. In the extended universe, Han and Leia have twins that would be born right now. Those twins mm-hmm. were turned by Disney into Rey and Kylo Ren. Yep. Interesting, right? Yep. That they end up kissing anyway, because Skywalker turns <laughs> do that. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyhow, and they it- turn Kylo Ren, or sorry, they turn Jason Solo, one of the twins, into Ben Solo. Ben is actually Luke's son's name in the formerly written stories. Yeah. Named after Kenobi, obviously. Um, 
But Ben is four years old at this point in time. So Luke, at the end of Return of the Jedi, is convinced that he's the only one. And that is what I think the actual major importance is of him being the one to respond because he heard the message from somebody else and hustled to find him somewhere out in space. The kid has moved around all over the place since where he sent his page from. And Luke went to go find him and Luke is ready to save another Jedi so that he can get something started because he knows that there still is the beyond Boba Fett level of evil out there. Yeah, and since since we're talking about it, I mean, we all know from episodes 7 through 9 that Luke starts a Jedi Academy. Uh, ben Solo is there. Pick me, pick me. Yep. <laughs> and Ben and Ben when when Luke um in his moment of weakness um turns on Ben briefly, like Ben explodes, destroys the Jedi Academy. Um Katano, what where Grogu must have certainly been there, right? What do we no, think? No, absolutely <laughs> not. It's all the what you keep calling the surface level fans. I want to <laughs> poison you all so you stop spreading poor rumors. Oh, I'm gonna... this is very possibly the chosen one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He does not need. So, what you guys don't know is the timeline yeah. that happens. 19 years past Luke picking up Grogu with R2. Okay, so... 19 years later. Luke's Academy is not established for approximately 10 more years from now. Okay, so we think... Academy's not even a thing. So right now, Grogu's got a one-to-one master. He just jumped into apprenticeship. He's 50 years old. The events of Order 66 are about 30 years prior. So for 20 years, he was a super Force-sensitive infant that was worth saving before the slaying of the younglings at the temple. He was like the one chosen to be saved out of all of them, even though they didn't know what was going to happen. They stashed him away before then. And he was being trained for that 20 years. Now, even though it's gone dormant, that doesn't go away. This is way more powerful than remembering how to ride a bicycle. Okay. So we think, so, so we think Grogu later, he's already like, do you remember at the end of, I think it was chapter seven, he deflected the incinerator trooper flames. Yes. Like that was yeah. it right there. He force healed somebody back to life when he saved Karga. Years before Ray was even born, but we didn't know that. But they happened to play like the episode, and then the movie came out, so it was perfect timing. Um, this kid does not need 10, never mind 19 years, to learn from Luke. Yeah. There's no way he would stick with just one master. And I think that he ends up learning from him for a period of time. If he sticks around with Luke and stays related to him in some way, possibly helping him form the academy. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that Grogu, like Yoda achieves the, the rank of Jedi master when he was 101 I, or somewhere around there. Okay. And so like, we can speculate that Grogu is going to go through a growth spurt, like starting around the time that Luke would be forming his temple. Grogu's already going to be somewhere around a young adult. I think at that point he's going to be like, you know what, Luke, peace out, have fun with all this. What all, all what you're doing? I'm gonna go out to eat more people and maybe go and look for <laughs> like my Mando dad. <laughs> no, he was eating babies. He was destroying oh, are a we family's about the eggs? Okay. Uh, yes. Here's yes. your biology lesson. If this is all about defending this guy, 
Like he's powerful <laughs> to be beat by Kylo Ren. Come on now. Now let me ask and a question. On top of it, the eggs. Powerful. The eggs were unfertilized. I'm vegetarian and I don't eat eggs. What about you guys? Do you eat chicken eggs? Because it's the same. Thing. I yes. And then I, people I, saying that he was bringing the species to the brink of extinction didn't even listen to what the frog lady's was translation was through Amy Thedaris. They yeah. were her last batch of eggs. Yeah. And frogs instinctively overproduce because mm. not all those eggs are even expected to hatch they're expected to be eaten by predators when they're young or before they're even fertilized science or when they're in a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> now, i tip i tip my hat to all of that science because <laughs> yes rogu is not evil since we're talking <laughs> no, he's not. no no he was hungry since we're talking about reproduction here's a question i've heard asked is it possible grogu is the offspring of Yoda and Yaddle, who we saw in the original, um, maybe in episodes one through three, right? We saw this Yaddle, who was the female was, Yoda. Yeah, she wasn't even around for all three, and then she left the order, and she is deceased. Oh, she actually basically ran off with a bomb that was about to explode to save Anakin and Obi Wan. Oh my God, and I didn't know that. With it in midair. Was that in the Clone Wars too? No. That's okay. That's like deeper in the stories. Right, I mean, so uh, so clearly there is a um, a species of of these creatures, right? And uh, Grogu is, is is descended from them, if not if not from Yoda and Yaddle, right? It's gotta be, be. because Yoda and Yaddle are Jedi's, right? They should not have yeah. been in a relationship and having babies. And I, Obi Wan had a girlfriend. Anakin hit a wife. <laughs> I I don't I personally don't think Yoda Yoda would have gone that route because he was too he was too straight lace like he was too much about like the order and about the idea of attachment and kind of if you look at like where Yoda ends up he doesn't seem to have any knowledge of of Grogu. Because he's like, you know, when I when I'm gone, the last Jedi you'll be, except for my kid, who you know we don't talk. So like, what is he like the world's first dad? <laughs> yeah. like, but yeah. like, I so I personally think that like there were members of the Jedi Order who looked at how close Yoda was getting to Anakin and said like, we can't bring Yoda into this conversation around Grogu. Because he's he's just even though he's the grandmaster of the Jedi Council, like I we can't trust him, right? Like, which is like the 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 history of the Jedi is filled with infighting and Jedi sex forming and people not trusting one another. They're their own worst enemy. I feel like Yoda's the only one that I ever would have trusted. Had I really? shared a timeline with all of them. Hmm. Yoda, however, is approximately twice the age of Yaddle as well. So I don't know that like if you have somebody smaller than Grogu born when you're already 500 years old, like that just might not be of interest anyway. Yeah. Okay. Is, um, <laughs> Sedaris does also say, though, to Mando that if he buds, she would like one. So maybe there's a possibility of <laughs> I miss that. That's funny. Yeah. Like he's a gremlin of some kind. <laughs> exactly. A mogwai. Yeah. All right. Here, here's a question. Going back to Luke, do we, what did we think of the CGI 
Mark, de-aged CGI Mark, Mark Hamill, Hamill face. Did we like that, or would we would we have rather have seen an actor? Stashed um, and stand. <laughs> I, I think it was a. I think it goes back to just like season one was testing the waters as to to should they invest in this push into reviving star Wars in a, in a new direction. I think it was the same play there where Mm -hmm. bringing, not tying it to an actor gives you this, this out. I mean, they could not bring Luke back and we, we don't like, okay, we got our cameo. He did something. We'll get a backstory when Grogu comes back. We don't need to see Luke again. I think they will. I think the over. I think the overwhelming love for the scene will bring him back. But I think it was a cop out to to keep him out of distance. I think the CGI might have been uh, just some fan service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, it would have been. Mean, we we had seen it though. We had we saw it exactly. at the end of Rogue One. We saw it uh, in, in like the sequel trilogies. We've seen them do this before, and like. There, there's a part of me that like from at least the artist perspective it appreciates the idea that like now we have we have like the technological ability to do this like even though it's like really uncanny valley and it's but like we can tell stories and we can bring back the the iconic look of things in a way that like yeah, it's fan service, but like again, I've been I've been forking over money to Lucas Arts for. Oh, exactly. You know. I'm a fan, and I like being served. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, it was not a complaint, but I think that putting Hamill's face in the show was like, here's what you've been waiting yeah. for. Now, I, I think it needed to happen at that point in time. Like when they did it for Leia, they had to. When they did it for Tarkin, yeah. they had to. I hope so if they move... They don't have to anymore. I hope if they move forward yep. with younger Luke in the, some of these series that they do bring in a new actor and kind of with Hamill's blessing, right? I disagree. You? What do you think? I disagree because they've already created this continuity between the movies where they had him in the sequels and they had him in the original trilogy. And so it's clearly the same person. And if they just threw in some rando person. Oh, there's a doppelganger. Yeah. There's a doppelganger. Um, TK, <laughs> TK said his name. It's Sebastian. Sebastian Stan. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's, there's been a long standing Twitter conversation between Hamill and Sebastian Stan, the winter soldier in the MCU, bringing back to the MCU, bringing, yeah. <laughs> bringing, you know, uh, that, that they, like Hamill's already blessed it and loves loves the concept. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I look at it as it's like the dragons in Game of Thrones. If they don't, if they're going to bring Luke back, they yeah. need to bring in an actor because they're the, the cost. I think the cost and the uncanny valley, and I you know I don't think they're gonna use that as a long standing. Like you said, they had to do it with Tarkin. They had yeah. to do it Leia. It fit the scene here. I mean, how long ago was this filmed? Yeah, yeah. I still think that they're playing the field to see do we appreciate appreciate that or do fans go, oh, get it, get it out, you know. We don't need we don't need Skywalker to come I back into this. Yeah. That emotional payoff though. I mean yeah. the tears coming out your face. Oh, I know. I was <laughs> yep. I was full on ugly crying. Yeah. yeah. But I, I love the idea of using it judiciously and 
you know, the idea that that Star Wars is a huge universe and it's a huge galaxy and there are, there are stories to tell. I mean, there have been people telling stories about droids that showed up on, for like three minutes in the original series. And, you know, where do they come from? Who are they? Where do they fit into all this? Like, we can get those stories with just a minute of CGI, Luke, at, at any given time. And that that's what excites me yeah like that we're we're we have the we have the ability to bring it back when it's necessary but it we're not tied to it yeah and i wanted to ask you all too uh, about when mando takes his helmet off at the end right i mean that's one of the reasons i was bawling (laughs) right but I think there's another question in there too. Is we we know we see Mando take his helmet off when he's in the officer's cafeteria, so he can break into that um, console. I think they're trying to say something there, and I'm not quite sure what it is. So I'm going to ask you all to tell me what they're trying to say. I, I thought it was focused on giving him the the his own history of death watch where he was picked up as a foundling and that they're a cult in a cult, uh, you know, a, a super fanatic side of, of Mandalorian. I thought the, the scene in the episode before that, um, where they're sitting in, in his ship and he goes to eat and he just lifts up the thing was just like, I mean, he'd already t- he'd taken off his helmet when he was, when he was injured, but, you know, circumstances that was just like, Oh, Hey, look, they're already, they're already breaking it a little bit that mm-hmm. we've seen in the greater lore. We've seen Mandalorians all over the place and none of them have ever kept their helmet on. We've, we've seen them saving Ren, Bo-Katan, you know, uh, Tar Vizsla, you know, all these guys take their helmets off all these people. And I think it was just that, that break scene was really just going, okay, he's, he's already, he's already lightening it. Maybe it's just because he treats Grogu as his kid and it's, it's family or whatever. But um, I think it was a showing that he's rethinking his history as he's been fairly alone. He had his group there with the armor and, and, and the other, the other guys that we, I wish I hope and wish would come back. Although I think they're mostly dead. Um, yeah. What do you yeah, think? think? What do you think, Keitano, about Mando about taking helmet. his helmet off? Yeah. Well, first, I do think that when he and Grogu were sitting and sipping some soup on the Razor Crest moment of silence, <laughs> that was another cry moment. Not as big one as the ending. That's but, the um, Mando ship, right? Yeah. 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 That was his home. That was Grogu's home too. Mm-hmm. Um, Grogu's trying to look up under it. So Grogu's got like the point of view and he kind of turns and cranes his neck to see his dad's face. And I don't think Mando was actually being careless about it. I think the dude's just got to eat at some point in time. And I think like in that moment, I was like, you're going to do it. Take your, take your helmet (laughs) off and let your baby see your face. And he didn't. And I was disappointed, but I didn't expect it would happen at that point in time. When in episode or chapter 15, he has no choice. He is missioned by the armorer to return Grogu to his people. In the meantime, 
he's the clan of two and the actual, not just like appointed guardian, but in love with this child even more than I am, father <laughs> to Grogu. That's his Popalorian. Yeah. They definitely have like that, I look up to my father, I love my son relationship. And the way that his role as a parent blossoms through the episodes this season particularly is fantastic. But he takes that off because it's that or he's about to be shot by some imps. Yeah. Like and then Grogu's gone with Gideon and being tortured and killed and whatever else Mando thinks is happening to him. So in that moment, he has that's a pure sacrifice for the child. He's like, now I have no other way to do this. Amazing that Mayfeld is like everybody else who saw you with their helmet off is dead and I didn't see it. So <laughs> yeah. I loved that he paid him that respect after they had had their mishaps in the first season together. But at the end, in my head, I just, i in fact, I probably did say it out loud. I was watching it alone. I would watch the episodes at like seven in the morning before school would start every Friday. And I was like shaking the table. My iPad was on and I was like, take off your helmet. <laughs> say goodbye to the kid. Right. The whole entire time that Luke's like taking out the dark trooper Decepticons, I was like, take off your helmet. Yeah. And he still wasn't listening to me. And of course, you know, the three fingers go up to the helmet and he takes it off. One thing, and I knew at that point he had to, like he was saying goodbye, even though he knows he's not really saying goodbye. They can't not reconnect these two characters. It yeah. would be the most rotten thing in the story of history or in the history of storytelling. Yeah. It would be like the biggest mistake. What? But he takes it off and I can't believe that he didn't say Grogu's name. Yeah. I thought yeah. he would say goodbye to him face to face and you would get to see that really excited, oh my dad recognized me by name look mm. that he had repeatedly when Every Ahsoka time was in the episode with him. Yeah. But I keep wondering, did he not do that because he knows that Gideon's there and Gideon knows everything, like annoyingly so. And even to the point where they're in the cell that Grogu was being hold, held in. And Gideon's like, I even know that you set off your wrists. Yeah, I already know you shot your whistling birds. Like, yeah. I know how many of everything is anywhere ever. And I am omniscient. So I feel like right now, maybe that's a seed for Din having protected that slight bit of connecting identity that might keep Gideon and the empire from getting their hands back on him. That's a good point. Sure. And that, that the name of the child is one thing that, um, grand Moff Gideon didn't have. That's a really Just, good point. Did, now when he's told Mando that he didn't need him anymore, was that true or does he still need him? He already got more blood from him, but if yeah. they failed the experiments like they did the first time, the message that was from Pershing that they yeah. projected said, like, we're out of donor specimen. Yeah. He's not a donor. You stole it. Yeah. Right. Two things occurred to me in that yeah. scene, Grand Moff Montgomery, that maybe you have some thoughts about. Um, one was, <laughs> I feel like there was, there's something unsaid, right, but implied once again about codes right and living by codes and how they fail people right and if if the mandalorian was going to live by his code he would have missed out on this moment of connection with with grogu there's that and then the other thing that kept popping into my mind i kept echoing back to the scene between luke and vader on the death star where vader says Remove my helmet. I want to look upon you with my own eyes. Like I cannot help but think 
there was some connection there. Do you have thoughts about that? Yeah. And I mean, I want, I want to say something about like that, the, the whole idea of like the Mandalorian culture, not being a monolith like that. It's, it is like this clan culture that spread out across the galaxy. That's that, you know, Mandalore is the planet that, that has like this spiritual, like we are, we are from Mandalore, but the Mandalorians of the Mandalorian war were, were galaxy spanning nomad warriors who literally filled their ranks with like war children, war orphans, like, and, so the idea that like he's been brought up in this in, in this subsection of a culture that that prizes like these rigid codes of like you don't show anyone your face you follow the code like you know I I didn't so much want him to say like Grogu's name so much as say like this is the way <laughs> like right. and when he hands him over because like in some ways like he he becomes the centralizing force because he's the guy who now holds the dark saber he is the 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 symbolic and and literal leader of every mandalorian clan out there and he he redefines what it means to to be mandalorian he redefines the code by by taking on this foundling by having this this relationship by putting the needs of the foundling over the needs of himself in the same way that at the end of Jedi, we see Luke redefine what it means to be a Jedi. You know, the, the moving forward, Luke Skywalker is the Jedi order. He subscribes to, you know, what he creates. And in that way, at that, that last moment between he and Vader, he does something that, that really flies in the face of everything we know about the Jedi order. And that is like, we don't breed attachment. We don't like all of these things, their paths to the dark side. He saves his father by saying like, no, I know there's good in him. I know that he's still there. I love this person. I've never even met. And in the, in his final moments, he drags his father to the shuttle and they have this moment of deep, deep connection that both of them have been denied their entire, their entire narrative. Yeah. Like, and in that way, he redefines what it means to be Jedi. And it's such a beautiful parallel in that moment where here's, here's Din and he is the leader of the Mandalorians. He holds the dark saber. He won it in fair combat. He subscribes to the most rigid form of the Mandalorian code. And he removes his helmet to say goodbye to his son. It's like, yeah, that's the moment I cried. And I didn't yeah. cry when they threw my own father in the bog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the, yeah, all of that. Right. Well, like Jen? even the episode before, I think it was the episode before where like he threatens Moff Gideon and he said that Grogu means more to him than he would ever understand. Like that was just so right oh heart right yeah that was another super crying moment but the words that he said in that hologram were almost word for word what gideon said to him when he had had grogu earlier on Hmm. so he pretty much recited to him 
the threat, but instead of it now being the I'm a scary creep who wants to experiment on a child, he right. was the father from Taken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Totally had to go change his pants after he got that message. <laughs> right. So, wrapping up our conversation about Mandalorian season two, I mean, I, I'm hearing we all agreed that they knocked it out of the park with mm-hmm. this, right? And we're excited for season three whenever that comes around. December what? 2021. That's soon. That's awesome. And we're gonna that's have a year from now. Yeah, that's soon. I yeah. thought that's when the Boba Fett thing came out. Both. Yeah, both. Oh, they both come out in December twenty twenty. What's the next one that comes out? I think is it Obi Wan that we're gonna get next, possibly the Obi Wan series. There's a whole host. We have the. There's like ten that came out. Yeah, right? we have the. Yeah. We have the. There Ahsoka. aren't a lot of release dates. Yeah, Obi Wan oh, is okay. coming. Yeah, we have Obi Wan Kenobi. We have the Ahsoka show. We have Rangers of the New Republic. We have Andor, um, a Cassian Andor Ooh, series. That's gonna be so yep. good. Something called the Bad the, Batch. Yeah, something Bad called batch. something called the Acolyte. What's that? I don't know. That that is gonna be the theory with the Acolyte is that's playing into the new story arc of Star Wars <gasps> going back back in time. The going, High Republic. What, yeah. Yep. The High Republic is the new arc where they want to take all after we get out of Skywalker and into this this still in the lore but going back in time and, and reevaluating what what we know mm-hmm. of all the all, all the world not the characters because these characters are going to be this is long before the characters yep you Yoda meant- is the only overlap that will be great I hope we get some Yoda in that, uh, a Lando series, um, something called Star Wars Visions. I don't think anybody knows what that's going to be. Um, My understanding is that that is anime adaptations of stories that have already been told. Okay. Uh, so anyways, I mean... A droid story. This, yeah, yeah don't forget droid story. A droid the original story. vision for the Lucas sequel trilogy was supposedly going to be R2 and C-3PO recounting the entire Skywalker adventures. And, and they did that in Lego. <laughs> they did the, that in Lego. <laughs> the Lego series are crazy. There's just a they Lego are. holiday. There was a Lego holiday special. Like, I'm, that, that's what I can watch right now with a three-year-old. The Lego <laughs> Star Wars stuff is awesome. I mean, it throws comedy in there, but it's still like canon Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. And I, I'm so excited for the droid stories because, you know, R2 is the only one that knows the history. He's, yeah. He knows he everything. Is, he, everything. He was there for everything. He knows the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Every time C-3PO got his memory wiped, someone <laughs> saved R2 from doing it. Seriously, R2 hasn't been wiped. He knows. And that's why he knows Grogu. And he, yeah. he's all he did a shimmy. Episode. He did a shimmy. <laughs> and, you know, when I, when I reflect on how Mandalorian season two made me feel and how it connected back into the other stories in these deep, but not overstated ways. Like I think about episodes seven through nine and I can't help but think about the missed opportunities there. Like there's so much I love about seven to nine, like mostly um, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Like I could have done so much more with him. I know. And when I, and I think about that, like, I think the misstep for me 
for seven through nine was not making not not wrapping up the Skywalker trilogy and focusing on Kylo and you know making the other characters around him you know I just I feel like that for me that was the big misstep what do you all think I feel like a redemption for Ben Solo is a redemption for Luke too yeah so that was missed altogether um but their biggest failure was deciding to haphazardly piece it together as they went along instead of writing the plan in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Moff, what do you think? I think that, that honestly they could have, they could have kept every single thing right up until the moment where Palpatine throws, um, throws Ben Solo into the hole and he's like, and so falls like the last Skywalker Mm-hmm. And Ben jumps back out and should have said, like, I'm not a Skywalker. I'm Solo. I'm Han Solo. I'm the son of Han Solo. And we could have then had Ben and Ray essentially, like, take up two different two different training academies, one on Mustafar and one on Tatooine, each one training students and, and handing them back and forth. And then we have Thrawn come in the first the first uh, new movie. We have Thrawn come in and annihilate both of them, and just throw the world into complete <laughs> chaos. And we have well, we have a new we have a new batch. Think think like Harry Potter, but in Star Wars, it yeah. focuses on these students who have suddenly lost both of their masters. They're trained in both like the darker elements of the Force and the lighter elements of the Force. They're out in the universe trying to like stay one step ahead of Grand Moth Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a beautiful story and we get like a redemption of Luke. We get a redemption of Ben. We get a point to Ray that yeah. like, I always felt was weird. Cause it's like, so the Palpatines one, like they, they like Emperor Palpatine is like in the end, his offspring ends up even calling herself Skywalker. Like, yeah. wait a minute. Like the, like, and so th- that's, mm. that's the moment where I was like, eh, okay. Like, yeah. So yeah. there's like an additional ping of pain when she claims the name. Although I did find it touching while watching, especially mm-hmm. the first time I might've yeah. gone five times to the theater. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I couldn't let it go. It was the end. And we didn't know we were getting all the things we have now and that are coming. But to rewrite Jaina Solo, who should have been Kylo Ren's twin, Mm -hmm. to take her out of Skywalker lineage that already exists and then make her be like, well, I kissed my brother and now I'm a Skywalker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I looked at that and I was like, that's the most bizarre way that you could wrap up a 42-year-long story. Yeah, TK413, what are your thoughts? About 7 through 9, kind of in relation to what we've seen here in Mando Season 2. In Mando Season 2, I feel like, and again, looking at my aesthetic of, of what I enjoy out of Star Wars and the aesthetic... I feel like Mando did so much more for the empire and giving story and breath to it. Yeah. It kept the stormtroopers as, as utter cannon fodder, utter, utter mm-hmm. cannon fodder, but it gave a backstory. I thought there were, there were two scenes with the, the pilot in um, Pershing's transport and, and sitting in the, the officer's bar there um, with Mando and, and Mayfield 
that gave a breath to the empire and talked about what they're doing and their passion, Nazi side passion, whatever, wherever it may lie, but it gave their passion there where I felt like they just tossed that all out the window. They tossed the whole storyline out the window with, with the new trilogy, with bringing in the new order and changing things and twisting it. And, and I loved them because I'm a fan and you said it before fan services, service to the fans. I love it. I'll take whatever I can get, but they could have the two seasons of Mando show what actual leadership could have done for the series and, and develop the stories. And I think they, they cash cowed it yeah. and rethought it. And I, I think they saw the passion again, that the reigniting of passion and, and Mando is the, the, the jump in there and they went to the right people. What they do went you th- to the people that have developed the stories, yeah, the right and, stories. And people who are obviously like passionate fans of Star Wars, right? What do you think about the people who are insisting we redo seven through nine? What's done is done. Yeah. I don't feel like you can erase like six to nine hours of film in a trilogy of trilogies. It, that would actually be a really ugly eraser mark on the paper. That yeah. Do, do yeah. what the shows have been doing. The shows have done a wonderful job of catching holes, fixing storylines, giving breath to storylines. I mean, two, two fans, two true fans. We watch Clone Wars. We watch Rebels. We watch all these things. And that patches these holes. And the books and the comics, they, they all do these parts to patch the holes that the, the movies can't get across in three hours. You can't ever say the whole story in three hours. I mean, look at all the right. adaptations. So do you yeah, think, I think that's what they do. Grand Moff, please go ahead. Um, no, I was, well, two things. Like, A, I want a t-shirt that says, I kissed my brother and now I'm a, sti- a Skywalker. <laughs> I, can make, I can make that. I want one so bad. Um, I got you. <laughs> you are my new best friend. Um, and uh, I think that, like, honestly, like, one of the wonderful things about Star Wars, and I know I said it earlier, is that it is community-generated myth and you know the idea that like they're in one part of the universe there is this story that involves ray and the skywalkers and you know that whole arc and where it is it, it, it that's one part of it and we don't we don't need to, to to destroy it or burn it to the ground to build around it as as a community and like the the idea that grogu is actually the chosen one and that, like, there, there's this parallel story happening that, like, isn't hasn't been explored is a beautiful way to not, like you said, put an eraser mark on 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 what they've right, done. Just but draw to them. a bunch of stuff in around it until you don't yeah. see it anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> a cover up tattoo. A cover up tattoo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping we get. I, I mean, do you think we'll see? more Ben Solo, Kylo Ren content in the future? There was just a series of comics. Yes, The Fall of Kylo Ren, was it? The or Rise. Some, the Rise, okay. Yep. The Fall of Ben Solo. The Fall of Ben Solo, yeah. The Rise of Kylo Ren. Yep. So I think we get his the rest of his arc there, other than his mm. childhood. I know. Um, I'm hoping that maybe a lot of the comics start to be translated to on screen, even though I can read a book or a comic and I've done a lot of that in this universe over time. 
I'll tell you the one thing that falls on me all the time is the video games. Mm. I have yeah. to listen to podcasts that talk about what happens in the Star Wars video games so I can pull into from those models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the canon, the can bringing the games into canon. Uh, so sorry, soft serve guys, or we're dragging you on, but the, the bringing the, the, who the last Jedi are that could have answered the meta, the, the meditative call and bringing mm-hmm. characters from the games and was like, ah, Christ, you know, I, I, I'm a, I play games. I love video games. I haven't played any of them and I, I need to do the research to, to understand those stories and how they, how they loop in. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So and, much. and there's such a, such a huge wealth of amazing stuff. Like, you know, I just, restarted playing knights of the old republic too because they released it on the iphone and like the idea of like revan and the revanites and like the like infinite empire and all of this stuff is out there and they can pick and choose and add and and touch on and like the stuff with the fallen order being canon from the like the newer video games it's just there's so much great stuff that that i don't think they'll have problems finding other amazing stories to tell and i think that's what the mandalorian proves yeah i think that ultimately the way that people that are hooked into it who have gotten really hooked into it are appreciating how comprehensive the story and the story and the backstories and the side stories all link into each other it is intellectual and it is so heady that it literally lights me up to learn the next thing or to make that connection when you see something in the background or to hypothesize and speculate and wonder what's coming next like is the woman who has been serving moff gideon is that sabine wren and if it is She's already pretended to be in the Imperial Academy, and prior to that, she was actually in it. And on top of it, she's a former dark saber holder. So the possibility sitting there for the next year is one of those things that will just keep lighting your brain up while you wait for the series to continue the story. As long as we know Grogu's safe, and we do for sure right now, then everything is good. This is the way. Yeah, <laughs> this is the way. And I think that that's a good place to begin wrapping this up. As we're doing that, I just want to go around and give you all kind of a, a final chance to say whatever you want um, about Star Wars, about Mandalorian Season 2, whatever you want. We'll start with um, TK413. Yeah, you know, I won't dive... I, I will, I'll just say that talking in this has been wonderful and just nerding out on it is so nice. Makes me want to, you know, get the mics out and start my own little nerd podcast. Uh, But uh, (laughs) it's good to, it's always good to, yes, let's, let's do it. Uh, It's always good to, to just uh, look deeper into these things and, and have fun with it and and have fun learning and relearning uh, all, all the, all the depths of these stories. Okay, Keitano, any final words? Yeah, if you have any listeners, because I know that Soft Serve has grown tremendously, and I'm loving watching it from its early days to episode 100. What will this be, like 112-ish? Uh, one, one, I don't even know. Holy cow! Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that any of the casual Star Wars fans that might have listened for this past two hours to us can appreciate as they maybe reapproach all of the movies and the shows 
the fact that everything that happens in the galaxy is something that's happening in Earth, on Earth, with people. Like, we're hurting the environment. We have problems between species. That's racist on our planets. There are wars all over the place. Everybody's about control and power, and the people fighting for control and power to take it back are also becoming part of the problem. And all of those themes are woven throughout, and it makes it so important to recognize what we need to do to be more humane in our existence so watch it all and enjoy it well said Keitano. thank you grand moff montgomery what say you i for me the just a, a second to everything that's been said before and like being on being on soft serve with you guys tonight and getting to 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 talk to Keitano and 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 TK one four three like this is everything I needed like everything <laughs> my inner quarantine Star Wars nerd has desperately needed like so thank you but also like you know my my fourteen year old who lives half the year with their mom in Los Angeles waited to watch the new Mandalorian series until he w- came out here with me on his last trip. And like, we got to experience that in a way that like one of my, my favorite memories growing up and I grew up with a lot of siblings and, you know, we were poor and didn't have a lot of money. And like, my dad used to work like five jobs, but he took us to see empire. And I remember sitting in the dark, looking at him and seeing how engrossed he was and seeing how engrossed we all were. And then walking out and driving home and talking about what we had seen. And like, here was this thing that we could both love and share. I got to have that moment with my kid. And like, for me that like, I can't like, I cannot thank all of the creators who put their time, effort and love in enough for that. Because it's it's something that like it it brings so much joy into my life. Like and he went home right before the last episode and he called me. It had to be it had to be four o'clock in the morning his time. Like the day it came out and was like, Did you watch it yet? And yeah. I was like, Cool, I I'm not even up. Like, yeah. And so like that that connection is like it's so wonderful it's so wonderful like yeah yeah. don't forget disney plus lets you have watch parties oh yeah Yeah. i did not know that (laughs) so all the things coming out if it's not timed with your shared in-person time you got it oh you just made my night (laughs) like that that uh that, well, that Grogu me so told happy. me to tell you. Thank, Thank you. you, Grogu. Thank you, Grogu. Uh, Gen two. Yes. Thoughts after after. I feel s- like we have so much more to dive into. Oh, there is. There and is. it's fun because we're rewatching it with the kids. So we just watched four, five, and six. We're gonna go to one, and yep. now we have all this new stuff to watch with them. Yeah. And we just finished the Mandalorian with them, and they loved it. And yeah. It's it's great. It's a great like little world world creation that they've done. Yeah. And As for- a new father, I can't I can't wait I know, to right? do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even you know the 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 child I'm holding is is you know weeks old, but my three year old born on five four on May fourth, uh, <laughs> awesome. you know, primed and ready is so excited to to watch it, and I just 
chomping at the bit, getting watching, having him watch Lego Star Wars to ease him into it as mm-hmm. as he gets, you know, the maturity to be able to watch it. I, I just can't wait to do that. And I'm jealous of the the parents with kids that, that are of age to to appreciate it. So yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, and for for me, Mandalorian season two, whatever it is, it just got back to that thing. Yeah, that the made, magic that made me love Star Wars. Yeah, and um, you know, not that I hated all of the content we've got since Episode One onward. It's not it. It's just something felt different and magic about it, and it just transported me back there. Well, you know, and you know, you and I yeah. have talked about um, uh, Episode Three mm-hmm. has one of the greatest scenes I think in it oh i love episode three like towards the end where obi-wan is fighting with anakin yeah that's like one of the most heart-wrenching scenes i think yeah it is (laughs) all right um i want to thank you you watch season seven of clone wars and see what was happening in another place at the same time oh god all right we have a lot to look forward to and we'll do that and maybe i think we should do some more of this we might yeah yeah this was a lot of fun and i have to thank you all um TK413, thank you um, for joining us. Um, thank you. Thank your Padawan, too. <laughs> yep. Thank your little Padawan Absolutely. sitting there. They, they've been lovely. Um, Grand Moff Montgomery, thank you. Hey. I really thank appreciate you. you joining us. Um, Keitano, thank you. Um, your passion, your, your Grogu on your lap with... <laughs> His lightsaber. It's all infectious. Um, thank you so much. Um, thank you. I really enjoy talking to you all about Star Wars. And like Stomping Jen said, maybe, or yeah. sorry, Jen 2 said, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll be able to do another one of these. Um, so with that, I want to say to our fans, I hope you enjoyed hearing us geek out on Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> um, and we will um, catch you where, Stomping Jen? May the force be with you. That's what we want to say. May the force be with you. Yes. This is the way, right? Yes. We're going to end on this is the way? Yes, all of okay. that. Yeah. All right. Um, we love you. Be safe. Yeah. All the and, things. And this is the way.